brick. Batik had been comfortably in country for a year and a half, and also thought that maybe it didn't have to be that way. Or at least, he didn't have to be that way. He wasn't sure. This was his problem, and as he drove deeper into the green and brown landscape, he felt disconnected from his surroundings, and then alienated too from his car, his gun. It occurred to him that finally on the right kind of mission, he might be the wrong kind of guy. He chalked this up to nerves and drove on, which was what, he understood at age 25, a professional did. There were five suitcases in the back seat. Cheap luggage for poor travelers. Inelegant. Plastic. They were Teak's second cover. He stopped the truck and consulted his phone, checking his position against the village coordinates. On track. On time. As he shifted back into gear, Teak noticed movement on the horizon. Through a gap in a stand of acacias far down the track, a dust cloud. It was the first dust he had seen in over a hundred miles, and he resumed his drive at a faster pace. He lost sight of the cloud, caught sight again as it rose over the trees. At best, a lunatic safari. At worst, Teak briefly recalled the tortures that had befallen one of his predecessors, his jellies scooped out, his abdomen cut to bits on rusty blades, tied to a tree and left to die. No reason to waste a bullet. Three vehicles. They stopped, lined up across the track. Teak stopped too, a mile out, and looked at them through his monocular. A white minivan, of the sort that usually safaried Japanese tourists, and two rusted pickups. Teak watched the men riding in the back of the trucks jump out and pull a metal gate off the roof of the van. All armed. Shifta, Teak thought, tensing. In Amharic, the word meant social bandits. A whole story distilled into a single word. Wrongdoer. He drove toward them. The Shifta, twenty-two of them by Teak's count, waited for him. They were younger than he expected and rich, with the van and that gate which they had set up across the track. Might be a particularly shrewd crew, Teak thought. Two men stood directly in front of the gate. One wore camouflage pants and a t-shirt with the D-A-R-E anti-drug logo. The other wore mesh shorts and a khaki safari shirt. Both carried Kalashnikovs. The man in shorts also wore a leather shoulder holster. Hello, said Teak, sticking his head out the window as he slowed. Best to use English. Lingua idiota. Checkpoint, said the man in the anti-drug shirt. Teak stopped and let the land cruiser idle. He looked off to the sides of the track. He could drive around them, but then they might chase him shoot at his tires, probably miss, but maybe break his windows, maybe worse. Better to talk. A boy holding a cleaver sat cross-legged on the side of the track, staring at Teak. Strange. Usually no children with the shifter. Teak winked at the child, but the child just stared. Checkpoint? said Teak, in his best baffled colonial. On whose authority? 
the two men in front looked at each other. Mesh Shorts theatrically drew an old thirty-eight from his shoulder holster. Authority of General Hatashil, he said, tapping the rear door of the car with his pistol. What's here? Shit, Teak said for their benefit, putting his head in his hands. They opened the doors, pulled the suitcases out onto the dirt, and ripped one open. You know, there's a zipper on that you could use, said Teak. A cheer went up when they saw that gray-green cot filled the case. Teak shook his head. You have a problem? asked the shoulder holster boss. No, said Teak, suddenly brightening and extending a hand out the window. I'm Teak. I'm Commander Moalana, said the man.